Hey everyone, Ben Nelson, the Everyday Real Estate Investor here with another podcast. And I am excited because I have another awesome podcast guest today. Uh, Jeff Holst of Old Fashioned Real Estate is here. A friend, real estate investor, pod show, uh, podcast host um, of his own. And uh, I love the name because, you know, we we met actually at another event. Uh, we met over in Old Fashioned, didn't we? We did, yeah. So that's how we first got introduced to each other. Just uh, talking real estate with the uh, with the drink in hand, which was awesome. It's always great to network and meet people, and we were able to connect. Uh, Jeff, thanks for being on the show. I'm excited to have you share your story. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate you having me. Awesome. Well, okay, let's jump right into it. You've you've had quite a journey um, that you have gone through. Um, let's just start with you sharing a little bit about your journey. Um, kind of where you were some time ago, and just to give people the history and the context, and then um, where you were able to go from there, and you know, fill in any any blanks there as you go. Uh, but just kind of give an an overview of what your story is. <laughs> yeah, so that's always that's a tricky one, right? How far back <laughs> do you go? I was right. born on a Thursday. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, maybe not go that far, but yeah, let's go. Let's go. yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, no, I think I know where you're going with that. So I, um, yeah, so I, I was a bankruptcy attorney. Um, you know, I could go back even further and talk about how I gave up bad days when I was 17, which is an interesting story in and of itself. But I was a bankruptcy attorney who always wanted to invest in real estate. You know, I was like, someday I'm going to invest in real estate. And um, the thing about someday is it doesn't, it's not guaranteed, right? Like it's not a certainty. And, and I learned that it was driven home to me very, very clearly when I was 30 years old and I was diagnosed with leukemia. Um, I thought I had weeks to live. Fortunately, I was wrong and I'm still kicking now 15 yeah. years later. But, um, but after that happened, uh, I thought, I got to do something different. I got to, I can't wait for someday. You can't count on the future. And um, the, you know, it took a couple of years. Uh, I ended up being forced into personal bankruptcy myself because I wasn't able to work for, for quite a period of time there. Um, and I had a small practice that was just eating money when it didn't bring in money. When it, when we were working, it, it went really well. But when we didn't have any attorneys working, uh, it didn't go so well. So yeah. um, I ended up in personal bankruptcy in 2010. And uh, from there, I was uh, like, well, I'm going to go take a job somewhere. So I moved to Tennessee from Michigan, took a job, uh, got a small bonus. I think it was like $20,000. So it was pretty good. I mean, it was a good bonus, but, uh, but you know, relatively speaking, small when you have no assets and uh, um, no income whatsoever yeah. at all. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, uh, and also I had $100,000 in student loans that hadn't gone away. So I was in this, you know, negative net worth situation with no credit and and then I thought, well, now someday I'm going to start buying real estate now. And in 2010, the bottom of the recession with no money, no credit. So that's that's kind of how I did it. But then flash forward, you know, the short version to give people a peek of where we're going is seven years later, I was able to retire from real estate investing. And uh, that was 2017. And I've not had a regular job since. I do still do some stuff, you know, podcasting, writing, right, um, right, investing, but uh, but I don't have a real, you know, a real type of you know corporate job ever since then. So that's that's awesome. So from personal bankruptcy to essentially financially free over the course of of seven years, right? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's very that's super inspiring because I know there's people in in similar spots, right? That are that are like, how do I do this? How do I make this happen? And 
And I'm going to, I'm going to jump a little bit into the mindset side of this because, um, you know, I have a, I have a mentor that has said, you know, when you're in that spot, you're like, okay, I'm going to buy real estate. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this off. And then that, that voice in your head comes in and says, you want to buy real estate, try buying lunch. Right. And it's like, you know, so that voice pops in and is like, yeah, right. You're going to buy real estate. You can't even, you can't even pay your, you know, your phone bill or whatever. Right. So talk about that a little bit and, and how that, you know, if well, that was a battle of yours and how you worked through that in your head. Well, so I'd spent years wanting to do real estate and I, you know, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad right out of high school. And um, I even have like the Carlton Sheets No Money Down program. Oh my goodness. Uh, I mention that sometimes and people are like, who's that? So yeah, yeah. I actually had the CDs, you know, like uh, um, I didn't get the cassette tapes because I'm not quite that old, but I had the CDs. You know, so I had all this knowledge that I've been working on for years. So I was comfortable with the knowledge part, but um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, what happened is I had a friend who was flipping houses at the time and, and also buying some rentals. And I, uh, I had known him since law school. And I said to him one day, I said, you know, if you run into something that, that you want to partner on, let me know. Um, and I had that 20,000 ish dollars. Some of it was bonus, but some of it was just savings from the, you know, from about a six month period of working. And, and, uh, and, and I said, Hey, I can probably spend up to about $15,000. So something comes up, uh, you know, and this is 2010 stuff was a lot cheaper then than it is now. Right. Um, yeah. He called me one day and he said, you know, I have this condo. It's a bank owned foreclosure. I just put it under contract for uh, $30,000. Um, and it was a hundred thousand a couple of years earlier. And uh, he said, I think this is a really good long-term buy and hold. Like, do you want to split it with me? And I was like, yes. So I went to my uh, now ex-wife and I said, I said, Hey, um, Travis wants to do this deal. Like, can we go do this deal? And she said to me, okay, but if it doesn't work out, we're never investing in real estate again. Uh, fortunately, wow, that's an ultimatum. Wow. Yeah, so, so, so it was more her than me, right? I, I wasn't like, oh, I'm afraid. I'm like, you know what? Like, I got to do something different. I might die. Um, I want to make sure my wife is taken care of. If I die, we need income coming in. If I can't yeah. work, I don't want to go through bankruptcy again. So I just, uh, you know, I just started. Uh, I just started with this idea that this is actually the most important thing I can be doing is investing in real estate right now. Um, and we still own that condo now. Um, you know, it's uh, it's been whatever you know, 10, 10 years or so, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably worth more than thirty thousand now. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's probably one hundred and fifty thousand, something like that, and it rents for you know fourteen hundred dollars a month, and we ended up buying another one in the same building for a similar price point shortly after that, and those two condos actually ended up forming the basis for the for the real estate that I did going forward. Yeah, that's awesome. So I I want to I want to point one one maybe not so obvious thing out um obvious to some but maybe not others that you know you had about twenty thousand dollars and a bunch of student loans and no income and most people i think would not do what you did right because they'd be too afraid and say well i can't put fifteen thousand dollars into this i'm taking all of my money and putting it in this investment what am i supposed to do and that scarcity mindset and that fear comes in and, and is like, no, I got to keep this money so I can figure out, you know, what, what I do from here. And I got to be able to pay my bills every month and all of that stuff. Right. So I got to have that cushion. Um, and, and really that, that decision was your launching point. And if you would have 
made that decision, maybe you would have never bought anything, right? If you wanted, if yeah. You wanted, I mean, hey, no, I got to hold on to this cash, right? In, in fairness, I did have a job then, so I was making okay, but still seven eight hundred dollars a week or something. I mean, but I wasn't. It wasn't enough to like feel super com- comfortable, right? Right. right. It's um, still, nonetheless, I, was your cushion, yeah. right? You, that you were like putting it, putting your you know, betting yeah. on yourself and that this is going to work out. Yeah, and and it would actually, be very easy to not do that. We actually took $17,500 and put it in too. So yeah. it was you know, all but $2,500 of our money yeah. going to this one deal. But um, the thing is, if I hadn't done that, I'd be in a completely different place now. So I, I don't regret it at all. But yeah, I mean, it was a big decision, um, but it was something that I really wanted to do. And so I knew I had to figure it out. And uh, yeah. And, and I think that's one of the, like, that's a big takeaway for people who are starting out is that like, there's always a way, right? Because after that, I had no credit and no money. And I still figured out how to buy the next one about two months later. Um, awesome. Talk about that. Yeah, think about that. That's even harder, right? Like yeah. I just came out of a bankruptcy. So my credit score is like negative practically. Well, yeah. I was not quite that bad, but I'm a toxic lent borrower. So no one's going to loan me money. I mean, um, especially I, then. Especially yeah. during those times, yeah. Oh, yeah, in the middle of the Great Recession. Yeah. And, and I just came out of bankruptcy and, and just changed jobs. So I don't even have work history, you know, six months yeah. on the new job or whatever. But um, but I, I, mean, I just figured out how to make it work. So, like, it was in the same building. So I convinced my buddy. I said, well, why don't you loan me some money to buy this? Since he had the cash to buy the condo himself. And then I'll pay you back um, over the next six months. And then I just uh, did that. You know, I, I started like, you know, we're gonna pay him back, um, and I and we and I I gave up all the cash flow on both deals towards paying him back, and then also took some additional resources from my job and paid him monthly payments to get it paid off as soon as I could. Awesome, yeah. And now you have that cash flow, yeah. So, um, yeah. And I think I think both of those things go back to, uh, you got to put yourself out there, right? If you're saying, well, you know, I want to invest in real estate, or hey, I'm in this bad spot. How do I how do I work my way out of it? Um, you know, sitting on your hands or, or putting your head in the sand or, you know, any of those, that's not going to get you there. Right. You gotta, you gotta ask those questions of proposition. You gotta put yourself out there. Hey, if you see, you know, if you see anything, I'm willing, I'm willing to partner, let's do it. Uh, you know, Hey, can you lend me some money to do this deal? I mean, there's simple questions, but a lot of people don't even ask them, right. They just, oh, they'd never done any money to do it. Right. Yeah. And I remember saying to him at the time, I said, you know, he said, I don't know, man, I'm not sure. Like, it's a pretty big risk for me. Like, cause you know, what do you have? Like, and I was like, well, one, I just put this money in the other one. So like at the very least you can, you know, you have this cross collateralization thing. Right. But then also, um, I can't file bankruptcy. So, you know, my personal guarantee is like set in stone at this point. I'm, I'm banned from bankruptcy for the next seven years. Right. Yeah. So, so I was like, dude, you, you have nothing to worry about. Like I can't get out of this even if I wanted to, you know? Right. Um, right. But really, you know, really it was relationship based. This is my buddy. Yeah. He did, did it as a favor to me. And then, um, you know, interestingly after that, we were in this situation where we had these two free and clear condos, right? Well, I owed money to him, but you know, the, from the banking perspective, you know, the two of them were free and clear and no mortgages on them. Um, and, and we were trying to figure out like, how do we buy this next deal? Cause we found this duplex that, that we wanted to buy. We still own the duplex too. So we own both of these condos and the duplex to this day. The first three things I bought after that, it gets a little bit, you know, choppier, right? Like they're yeah. sold stuff and whatever, but well, these first three things. So we try to find this duplex. It was like $70,000, um, you know, and in a really good area. 
and we didn't neither of us had the money to do it. And I actually went to a family member of mine and I said, you know, we have these two condos free and clear, right? Why don't, why don't you give us a $25,000 mortgage on each condo? And then, then we will have $50,000 and then we'll each put in um, 25,000 to buy this new duplex. So that's just what we did. We leveraged the condos with the private money loan. And then we ended up with, you know, one third each of this duplex. Um, and that model actually worked really well because that family member ended up, uh, um, ended up loaning us a few hundred thousand on top of that to the new company that we owned with him. Like he would loan money to the company. He'd be like, here's a hundred thousand dollars at 6% interest only. And then we would go buy a deal and we'd each own a third of it. And so we were able to leverage that relationship to get, uh, you know, probably seven or eight more properties over the next five years. That's awesome. And you were, and you were sharing those deals, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everything was a partnership of that. Yeah. Point. Which is so, and, and that's one of the things that, you know, you, you had touched on it earlier, you know, you didn't have a lot of money, you didn't have credit. Uh, so how do you get, I mean, a lot of people stop there. Right. And we both listen to the real estate guys a lot. And, and I can't remember, I mean, they talk about it. There's a couple other guys. I think it's Chris Martinson, if I'm remembering right. Um, you know, the, the, there's so many other resources, right? We, there's, if you stop at your credit and your and your, what you have in the bank, um, you know you're missing a lot of opportunity. What are your relationships? Um, where can you um, leverage those? Right? What can you bring to the table? Um, and partnerships are big. You know, and and I know I was here at one point too, just mindset wise. Well, I just want to do the deal myself, you know, because I don't want to I don't want to share in the profits because I need I need all the profits for my for myself or whatever. Like it's either a greed thing or it's just like I. Well, I can't do it unless I get all the profits because I just I just need that income. You're missing out on opportunity, right? Because you're yeah. you're you're not willing to share the pie. And I always say, a piece of the pie is definitely a lot more than all of no pie, right? So it's like, yeah, you do and, the deal or not. <laughs> that's how I deal. deals, right? Like, um, I could have bought none of those deals on with my own money. Now exactly. there's you know opportunity to buy stuff on my own, of course. But but then like seventeen thousand dollars wasn't going to buy that first condo. And the second condo, I didn't have any of my own money in it. So like, clearly I couldn't have bought that one. I didn't have any money left to put into yeah. it. Same with the duplex. And I mean, honestly, for the next several years, there are very few times I could have bought anything on my own. And I didn't. In fact, um, I'm, I'm like the opposite of you. Like I have this like aversion to doing stuff on my own. Now I, I do everything in partnerships, like, you know, all different structures. And, you know, sometimes I'm the lead partner and sometimes I'm a limited partner and sometimes I'm a GP in a syndication, but, but like, you know, whether it's just a regular joint venture or whatever, I've just always had partners. I might be 50, 50. Um, sometimes I might be 75, 25 even. Right. But yeah. uh, I, I just always seem to end up with a partner on everything these days. And yeah, um, I don't think I've ever done a deal without a partner actually. That's actually, that's a great, that's awesome. Um, and, and I'll say, I think what else, the other thing that brings uh, that partnerships bring to the table is that you have other people vetting the deal, right? Um, and yeah. so it, you know, it's easy to look, Hey, this is a deal. This is a deal. Well, if you can't find a partner on it or you can't find funds for it, maybe it's not a deal. Right. Um, so that's, that's another kind of, like additional underwriting almost where it's like, Hey, I got other people that have to think this is a good deal too. Yeah. If you can't find money for a deal, it's either not a good deal or you're not presenting it correctly. There's, there's really no other option because there's a lot of money on the sidelines. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, sometimes, you know, you might struggle to find money for a deal that might be because your credibility is such that people don't believe what you're seeing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you need to work on that. So that's the other thing where partners are really great. Like the first um, apartment building that I bought, um, I don't believe that we could have got the bank loan had I not had a partner on it. You know, I wasn't yeah. in a financial position to do it. And yeah. Uh, and I think you can, you know, there's. There's a, you can borrow from their finances, you can borrow from their capital, you can borrow from their credibility, um, and it allows you to expand a lot faster. And it's good for them too, right? Like um, in, in an ideal situation, a partnership is win-win. Now I've had some that have gone bad that I was like, man, I should have never brought a partner in on this too. So sometimes, you know, there's a risk point. It's kind of like getting married. Um, when it works out, it's beautiful. And when it doesn't work out, it's messy. Yeah, very true, very true. And I've seen, I've seen both sides as well. So it's, yeah. But you know what, it, to your point, you like, you just have to know that going in. It, you, you try to bet your partners as good as you can, know who they are and, you know, match their goals with the investment and and try to partner with good people. But you know what? You can't not do a partnership just because one might go bad, right? Otherwise, again, you just don't, you don't do yeah, any other deals. One potential bad, yeah. I have friends who don't do partnerships and uh, they're constantly struggling with, problems that I don't struggle with. Now, they have advantages too, right? Like they get 100% of the equity, that, that's an advantage. And um, But you also do 100% of the work and 100% of the responsibility falls on you. And if you make a mistake, there's no one double checking your work, you know? Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, uh, and I'm not saying I would never do anything without a partner, I certainly would. I just, uh, I almost did last year, I bought the, I was gonna buy this duplex and then a friend of mine was telling me, oh, I, uh, I wish I could uh, find deals like that. And I was like, yeah, let's just split it. So I ended up not part, ended up partnering on that one too. But uh, it worked out because about um, six months later, came across another duplex that was in the similar area. And then we ended up buying that one together. And I may not have had the resources to buy both anyway. So, I mean, yeah. um, you know, there's, it worked out anyway. So it didn't yeah. really matter. Yeah. I think it's just knowing the, the positives and, and negatives of each, right? And then you just got to make it, a business decision from there on what what does your business look like and um this you know a lot of those things there's no right or wrong it's just how do you want to run your business right yeah it's the greatest part about real estate actually is that it's so flexible there's so many ways to make money there's so many opportunities so many different asset classes you can get into there's so many different structures there's so many different ways to pay for it you, know, you can do everything from like sub to seller financing partnerships bank loans or a combination of all of them yeah yeah for sure um lots of ways lots of ways you just gotta be you know if you're doing just a hey i'm gonna go put 20 percent down and get a bank loan um you know that's pretty limited there's all sorts of other ways to to get into real estate for sure um yeah, let's jump back now, um really quickly so one thing we do now is we um we'll do we'll actually form partnerships where um, one of the persons is, has more, you know, maybe more capital than the others. And I'll be like two or three people in the partnership. And that person will end up loaning the money to the LLC that we all own collectively for the down payment. So it's like an unsecured loan to the LLC. And what's, what's great about that is you can get into these bigger deals where you've got a bank loan. The bank doesn't care what partner puts the money in as long as there's partner capital in generally. And, uh, it works really, really well. Um, I bought a 16 unit apartment building a couple of years ago where I ended up with 40% of it and had $0 in because of a awesome. partnership arrangement. And we ended Very up selling cool. it. We bought it for seven fifty. We sold it for a million three fifty, like two years later. 
So we've made $150,000 on a zero investment. I mean, that's amazing, yeah. right? I mean, pretty like, good returns, right? Yeah. Yeah, but you did, you did, you know, your role was different, right? You probably sourced the deal or you were managing the deal or everybody's yeah, pretty course, and, you know, and, and you do have to be a little careful when you do stuff like that, that you're not accidentally getting into securities or something, you know, so that people need to be actively involved. But, but yeah, in that case, it worked out really, really well for everyone that was involved. I know, of course, our, our capital partner was super happy too, because that person made a big chunk of cash also. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Let's let's jump back again really quick to uh, that journey that you went on um, from bankruptcy to financial freedom. Uh, what are some things that you did? I mean, we talked about the kind of the couple steps that you took and just taking that leap and just just making it happen. But were there any like disciplines or habits or or mindset things that you had to go through to to help you get from that that you know bad financial spot to being financially free seven years later. Yeah. I mean, part of it was just believing that I could do it. Right. Like I never lost faith in myself. Um, and that's because I've had years of mindset work. You know, I alluded to this earlier in the show about how I gave up bad days when I was 17 and, and um, believing that every day is a good day and believing that every challenge we go through is just a learning experience really helps with that. Um, yeah. It would have been really easy for me to be like, oh, I'm a failure or, oh, I'm going to die and just kind of curl up in the corner and not do anything. Um, but I just never believed that. I've always believed that um, we're put here on earth for a reason and that we have to live the best version of our lives. So I spent a lot of time thinking about what does that look like for me and how do I do that? And really the the leukemia motivated me a lot. And every day I take an oral chemotherapy, even to this day, 15 years, I've been on this chemotherapy drug. Wow. And, uh, and it's a constant reminder of my own mortality. And it's a constant reminder that like, I have to live fully and completely. And part of that was if I wanted to be able to travel and have the time freedom that I wanted. And I mean, this year, uh, in the last two years, I've been to I think I've been to six of the seven continents in about 20 countries, you know, and that's coming wow, out of COVID, awesome. right? Like, and I'm going to Australia in the, the summer and that will make seven in, in less than a two year period. And like, um, including Antarctica, right? Like I went to Antarctica last year. I mean, that's just crazy when you think about it. Um, but I mean, it's just an amazing, um, it's an amazing amount of time freedom. And I, I live half the time in Chattanooga and half the time in San Juan, Puerto Rico, um, you know, and not for tax reasons. You know, a lot of people are moving to Puerto Rico to save on taxes. And I, I'm, I actually technically live in Chattanooga because I don't pay tax anyway. I'm a multifamily investor. And, and you know, it's, it's given me this amazing lifestyle that's just unreal. But it's also allowed me to be exposed to like amazing people and like, and, you know, tell my story to help people. Like if I could help your listeners with anything, it would be, I would want them to give up bad days. Like that to me, like more important than being successful in real estate. It is important because it's time freedom is super valuable, but there are other ways to get time freedom. There are, yeah. there are no other ways to, um, that I know of to, to live as extraordinary a life as I do other than giving up bad days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let, so we're, let's talk about that. So you, you've mentioned no bad days several times. That's obviously a, a huge mindset thing for you. And you just wrote a book. Uh, all no bad days, right? So yeah. uh, talk about the yeah, book like and yeah, no awesome. Yeah, so yeah. people are watching, they can see it. Yeah, so um, the books, um, it's, it is more of my journey than it is a self-help book. You know, it's a memoir self-help book. 
And it's written as a series of life lessons, things that I learned along the way. It starts with how I gave up bad days. That's like chapter one, right? So the publisher said, let's call it No Bad Days. It's a catchy name. I would have probably called it something different, but I'm, I'm happy with the name because it seems to be working. And um, But it, it basically takes us through this series of things that I've gone through in my life and how I've framed my decisions and why I think it's important for other people to figure out what their life purpose is. And, and also like how to figure out a way to live the best version of life. The way I think about it this way, like Ben, there's only one of you in the world, right? If you don't do the things that you're supposed to do, whatever those are, um, you're kind of cheating yourself, but you're also cheating your family, your community and the world of all that greatness that you could do. And yeah, none of us are going to live fully in our potential, except for unless maybe we're Elon Musk. I don't know. Maybe that guy's <laughs> fully in his potential. And somehow I figure he's still got stuff to accomplish. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, I just feel like if, if, if we have this ability to do something great, we have to do it. And so that's, that's what I'm trying to great. teach people. Yeah, that's great. Uh, another thing that um, the mentor I mentioned earlier um, says, he, he has a phrase that um, he says, uh, if you're able, you're obligated, right? Yeah. Same uh, which concept. I think is, is great, right? You, you know, it's really easy to be kind of self-absorbed, especially in those situations like, man, I just got to survive right now, right? Um, but then when you get to the point where you're able to, to help other people, if you're able to do it, then, you know, to kind of sit back and know I did my thing and here I am, you know, I did what I needed to do. I'm financially free. And then just kind of keeping it to yourself. That's, uh, that's not really what we're supposed to be doing. We should, if you're able to help others hand up, whatever that looks like, it may not be the same as what you can do. We've all got that ability to do that in some way. Um, right. then your obligation is to do that. Right. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, that's why I go on shows like yours and why I wrote the book. I mean, I don't expect to make money from the book. I mean, we had some pretty good sales. I mean, it just came out, um, April 25. So, um, and we ended up being the number one new release in personal finance on Amazon. And I was like, that's crazy because I don't even think of it as a personal finance book, but um, right. I'll take it, right? Number one best-selling author. So that's something, right? Yeah. But, uh, um, but yeah, but at the end of the day, like, I mean, yeah, exactly. You just have to do these things. Like I have to tell people about my story because it helps people. And and I found this out from, from the book, like as we were doing the pre-launch stuff, I started having people send me messages that said things like, I'm so excited for your book. I heard you on XYZ podcast and I haven't had a bad day in two years or a year or six months and, you know, all this stuff. And I went, man, this is, this is amazing. Like I'm, I, even if no one read the book, just the fact that people were telling me these stories what made it worth it. All this time that I've spent, you know, I've probably been on, you know, a couple hundred podcasts over the last five or six years. And plus my own, I have the, the old fashioned show that you talked about, which is super fun because we just drink old fashions, right. And talk about real estate <laughs> on YouTube, but, uh, but also have the last life ever podcast. So, you know, I mean, between all that stuff, there's, you know, there's just, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of probably thousands of hours dedicated towards getting the message out. Um, and, and I think it's all worth it if I change like one person's life, right? Like if one person has one less bad day, it might be worth it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. Well, no, I, your story is obviously inspiring and, and uh, you know, appreciate you sharing it and putting it out there. I know you're changing people's mindset and, and changing the trajectory trajectory of their life. So that's awesome. Um, if you were, if, if, someone's listening right now and they're in the spot that you were in. Um, you know, they're, they're in a bad financial spot. They, they're trying to figure out what do I do next? Um, what, what one or two things would you tell them, um, 
hey, do this? Or, um, you know, what, what advice would you give them? Uh, if well, you, yeah, I mean, obviously it depends on how bad their financial spot is, right? Because you've got that whole Maslow hierarchy of needs thing. Like if you don't have money for food, you need to go buy food. Like, let's be honest, right? Feed yourself, feed your kids, feed your family, that stuff. That's first and shelter. But, but once you've got those like sort of base needs taken care of, which I think most people that are taking the time to listen to podcasts probably have those things taken yeah. care of. So yeah. um, once you have that kind of base need, it's just about like sort of, thinking about where you want to be two, three, four years in the future, and then um, coming up with a realistic plan and work backwards from that future point. Um, and then also like, don't neglect the mindset stuff because it's one thing to say, oh, I want to have $10,000 a month coming in or whatever. I hear that number all the time from people when I coach people, they're like, oh, I want 10,000 a month. And I'm like, but why? What do you want it for, right? Um, the, the money isn't going to motivate you. What's going to motivate you is getting really, really clear on what's important to you, like what's actually important. Because yeah. the money is just a symbol of like, what are you going to do when you don't have to work? Like what, and, and can we do that now? So you need to get really clear, clear on that why. And if you get your mind in the right place and you can align your thoughts and your actions together, then, then I think it'll be, you'll be able to get to where you need to be. Yeah, that's great advice. I mean, so many people pick a number or, and it's not even really coming from uh, someone else said it, right? Or, or they think it's, it, but it's, it's what's behind that. It, you know, the money's just a means, right? To a, to whatever life that it is that you have and that you envision for I yourself. Even, I don't even know my cash flow number, right? People ask me, <laughs> oh, what's your cash? I'm like, I don't know. It might be negative for all I know. I don't care. As long as my bills are paid and I have the freedom, to, I still have enough money in my checking account to like buy a plane ticket on a whim. Like I just, I'm in Chattanooga right now. I decided um, last week, Monday at like 7 p.m. I wanted to go to Chattanooga. And so I just bought a ticket. You know, I flew out Tuesday morning. Like, I, I just, I don't think about it, right? I just do what I need to do. And as long as I can do that, I, I don't really care about the money. And, yeah. that, and that's where you're going to get eventually if you if you follow the process. Yep, yep. Yeah, but really to your point, getting connected to why it is you're doing it and not just, uh, yeah, the, the funds, the money is important because that's how you pay your bills and everything. But it's if that's- super useful. It's yeah, very yeah. Useful. If that's your only focus and there's nothing behind it, then it gets really- um, difficult. It doesn't motivate you for very long if it's just about just the money, right? Yeah. I mean, there are some people I think that are just like the money's a game to them and they just want to see bigger and bigger sure. numbers. But yeah. but that to me, that's never been um, my goal. I've always wanted to live, you know, a happy and healthy life. And uh, I feel like if I can do that, that's really great. And, that, and that's why you have to figure it out. That's why I would say start with the mindset. If you you know, and honestly, read books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like it isn't really a real estate book. It's a mindset book. Yeah. Um, it's, yep. it's, it's a memoir mindset book. It's kind of the same genre-ish as mine, right? And I guess, so maybe I am a personal finance book. What do I know? That's the number one <laughs> personal very finance true. book of all time. So Yeah, very true. Well, ver well that's awesome. Uh, thanks again for being here. I'm going to ask you one more question here. So you've obviously come a long way. You're, you're uh, living the dream, as they say, right? What what now? What's what's next for Jeff? What what are your next goals? Do you do you have something that you're trying to hit right now, or is it just kind of that all encompassing? Hey, I'm out there telling my story. I want to affect lives. What what is what does the next chapter look like for Jeff? You know, I'm I'm writing a new book about Puerto Rico. Actually, uh, we'll see. So I'm inter really interested in that. I'm trying to learn Spanish. My Spanish is atrocious right oh, now. Oh, me too. It's hard. <laughs> I'm working really hard on that right at the moment. Um, 
I've got a few travel goals left. You know, I have this 50, 50, 57 goal where I want to go to 50 countries and 50 states and uh, seven continents before I turn 50. And I'm, I've got the continents and states done, so I got to finish my country list. But yeah, I mean, honestly, like other than that, I have a, actually I have a list of 100 things I want to do. I call it my life list and I constantly update. I try to keep it at 100. If I knock something off, I think it's something new. So I always have something interesting to do. But, uh, you know, as far as financial goals and stuff goes, uh, no, I'm going to stay the course. Um, I have a few other ideas of things, but mostly I just want to, you know, keep sharing the message and can stay as positive as possible for as long as I can. Awesome. Well, I'm going to I'm going to leave with it with this quote. And I don't remember who said it. I wish I did. But your, your story reminds me so much of it where uh, um, they say a man's. Uh, a man has two lives. The first life is, uh, you know, before, and then the second life is begins when uh, they figure out they just have just one. And I totally butchered that quote. But your second life, basically, your life <laughs> begins. Get the when, concept, right? Yeah, yeah, right. When you figure out you have just one, one life to live, that's when your second life starts. And that's that's kind of I, I feel like, you know, you had that diagnosis. It's like, hey, holy cow! And it's like, I got to figure this out now. Uh, I just think that's so applicable. Um, I wish I would have done better on the quote itself, but that's I, I, my point that I want to make is that hopefully it doesn't take an event like that um, to discover that, right? Hopefully it doesn't take, um, you know, something, some diagnosis for yourself, um, something happened to, to a family member, um, you know, just that reality setting in that like, wow, I, I there is only one life uh, to live. I better live it. Um, you know, do that now, figure that out now. There's, we only have one shot at this, right? So you know, you might as well give it everything you got. Yeah, no. And, and that's, you know, I'm in a lot of ways fortunate that I got leukemia, right? Because it, it gave me that, that, that pivot point. Um, but, but we all are terminal. We all have one life. And, and yeah. the sooner we realize that, the better. Exactly. And that was what I was trying to get with that butchered quote. But yes, uh, very good. Well, if people want to reach out and connect with you, I'm assuming that's okay. What's the best way to do yeah, that I mean, um, instagram is probably the best at jeffrey holst but but honestly i'm not hard to find if you google jeffrey holst you'll see you know my book my instagram my twitter my tiktok my facebook it's all jeffrey holst everywhere so awesome very good well jeff thanks again for being here really appreciate your time i know you're a busy guy you've got lots of stuff you're doing between your business and traveling and sharing your story so appreciate you being on sharing your story uh thanks for being here yeah thank you 